0: Please turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy. Lord willing, we're going to be looking at portion of 1 Timothy and then also Titus. And uh, after reading Titus, you might consider putting perhaps a bookmark, or we didn't end up using the bulletin insert, so you can use that because we might be doing a little bit of flipping back and forth. During the sermon, First Timothy chapter three, verses one through seven. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine. No striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into, repro- into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then let's turn to Titus chapter one, verses five through nine. Starting with verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able to be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now, looking back at 1 Timothy 3 once again, <laughs> if someone has a strong desire, a man has, in the church has a strong desire to be an overseer of the church of Jesus Christ. Greek word there, or regatai, to stretch out, to reach out, to yearn for. So if a man in the church, a Christian man, has a strong, overwhelming desire to be an overseer in the church of Jesus Christ, then, therefore, he must have a great reputation among two groups of people those inside of the church and those outside of the church The first thing that's mentioned here in first timothy chapter 3 is that he must be blameless he must be above reproach it's difficult for people in the world that are in the community and also in the church to take someone seriously if the person has a bad reputation that's ba- based on a lack of ethics i can still remember years ago going to church at my grandparents church and i'm not sh- i think one sunday my grandfather didn't go to church and he had a problem with the person that was preaching that day who was supplying the pulpit now i don't know what happened I guess both these people are, figure, long passed away. I know my grandfather is. And the reason why he didn't want to really listen to this guy is because he had done, this man had done work on his roof, I believe, and he had shown himself to be dishonest. And it's very difficult to pay attention to somebody, in, let's say on a Sunday morning, if he's preaching or teaching, if you know that the person is a crook somebody that is not a godly individual perhaps and so it's very important that whoever is chosen that that person has a very good reputation now this qualification of blameless may be the heading for what follows for example in what ways should he be blameless And we see first the husband of one wife, faithful to one's wife. Other women don't distract him by catching his eye. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba. We do not want to see that in an elder. Other women do not distract him by catching his eye. Also, his relationship with his wife must be a tied in with this, must be a faithful one. He is a man of unquestioned morality. He must be a good example to his children concerning what it is like what it is to be a faithful and loving husband. We then in our passage see that he is to be temperate, he's to be sober, he's to be vigilant. He, he, has, he is somebody that has a clear mind and is free from life dominating influences. His pleasures are not primarily of the senses, but those of the soul. He is not given to excess, he is biblically well balanced. We also see the attribute of being self-controlled, not a person who seems wonderful until he's under pressure, not someone who has to be funny all the time, not a person who's self-controlled when he's around people that he needs to impress, but then turns from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde when he doesn't need to impress people or doesn't... Feel the need to impress others. He is able to be trusted to keep things confidential since he has mastery over his mouth. He's not controlled by sudden impulses. He is always willing to listen to others and admit when he is wrong. To admit when he is wrong, he is continually learning from Scripture. And he's a good shepherd of people. And then in verse 2, we also come down to of good behavior, which is our fourth point here. Of good behavior. Respectable. Someone who does not act one way in church and then explodes at the person at customer service at Walmart for not performing up to his standards. He does not act like a bully while driving a car. Neither does he practice road rage when people get in his way. That person in front of me is just not going fast enough. I've got to get from point A to point B and why doesn't he get out of my way? Move it. Come on. That is not the way he is supposed to act. Of course, children pick up on that too. He is someone who recognizes that God is in charge of everything and acts accordingly. He is a person of moral strength whose virtue shines through. He does not bring shame upon the church by unrighteous acts. He's he's a walking advertisement for what the Christian life should be. So far we have a bishop. Must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, hospitable. If the man does not practice hospitality before he becomes an elder, what makes you think he's going to practice hospitality after attaining the office of an elder? If he is someone who never seems to have people over to his house, don't make him an elder there are men i see this one you can see this sort of thing on facebook in one way or another there are men who know a lot about scripture and theology but they have an obvious flaw they just don't like people they look great on facebook but they seem to thrive best when left alone in their basement Apt to teach. He obviously has a love of teaching and preaching and the ability to go with it. Now some may not have the ability to preach, but at least an ability to teach. This does not mean that he has to be a great preacher or teacher, but he has a track record of being excited to be able to pass on biblical truths to others and to be able to communicate those biblical truths. He knows his Bible, and he has an extended track record of reading his Bible regularly and in generous portions. He has experience leading his family and family worship, which is one of the places he has practiced and improved his teaching skills. Now, let's turn over to Titus, a portion of Titus. Titus chapter 1, there's a lot of overlap between Titus and Timothy here. Looking down at verse 9, Titus 1 verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers holding fast the faithful word. He knows the word of God and lives out the word of God. He recognizes the difference between subjective opinions and objective biblical truth. And he's willing to die, if need be, for biblical truth. Another way, another way of saying this, he knows what hill is worth dying on. In verses 10 through 16, we read, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped to subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their minds and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. So willing to and able to confront sinful people. While it is important that an elder be able to see the good qualities in people, as well as the potential that people in the church have for good, it is also important that he's able to see bad qualities in others, and help, and this helps him recognize potential problem people and potential enemies of the church. Sin must not be ignored, whether it be in the community or whether it be in the church, even if it means that the people in the church remove him from office for courageously speaking the truth. Many an elder has been removed from his position for standing up for the truth and against error. The elder must be willing to give up his position for the truth. Whether he is a teaching or a ruling elder, this can be especially difficult for a teaching elder whose livelihood depends on the salary that he receives from the church that he shepherds. Now let's get back to Timothy. <clears> 1 <throat> Timothy 3 3. Not given to wine. Not a drunk. If he does drink, he knows his limits and never goes beyond them. Not a striker not given to blows. On the contrary, he is gentle and peaceful. He doesn't have a figurative chip on his shoulder daring others to knock it off. Knock that off my shoulder, just I dare you. He realizes that his fists are only to be used as a last resort for self-defense, not a method for showing how manly or how macho he is. Not greedy of filthy lucre. Not a lover of money. Not the type of person who selfishly demands big raises, which then split the church in two. He is able to shepherd without monetary distractions and maintains biblical focus. We do not need elders who are tempted to make decisions based on how it benefits them financially. We also see in verse 3 that he's patient. He is humble and meek. He keeps his strength under control and recognizes that his responsibilities as a spiritual shepherd far outweigh what he may feel like doing, or what he may feel like saying. This does not mean that he never stands his biblical ground, or that he is a doormat. Being humble and meek does not mean that he's weak. We also see in verse 3 that he's not a covetous person. Breaking the tenth commandment often involves breaking the other nine as well. The godly elder will not manipulate people into giving him things by using his authority and using his influence. In verse 4, we see one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with gravity. One who rules his house well, he is a good manager of his household. It's important that he has a wife who is a good house manager and that he knows how to delegate. He biblically educates his family consistently well while he strives to live out what he teaches. If he is not a good husband and father, if he is married and he has children, then he should not be an elder. We see next that he should not be a novice in verse 6. Not a recent convert. He is a veteran of the Christian life who has experienced the struggles and pitfalls that are involved in being a Christian. He knows what it's like to battle against pride and other insidious temptations. He has a track record, once again, for being humble. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Verse 7 Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. He must have a good report of those that are on the outside of the church. He has a good reputation among not just the saved, but the unsaved. How do you as a church expect to reach the lost? If the elders of the church have a bad reputation in the community, of course, it's the Holy Spirit who saves, but someone's an elder should have a well-earned, good reputation wherever he is. Now, that doesn't mean that someone may, there may be people that speak out against him, but when we tell the truth, that's often the case. But if it's a well-earned bad reputation, that's what you don't want. If he does not have a good reputation in the community due to sinful actions, why would a church want to have him as an elder? Now let's get back to Titus. Titus chapter 1. If any... We see the word blameless again in verse 6. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Blameless as a steward of God, having faithful children, children of faith, who are not accused of riot or being unruly. You must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed. Not self-willed, not self-indulgent, not arrogant. He doesn't ask the question, what do I get out of this? What do I feel like doing? He asks, what would God have me to do? He's also a lover of what is good. He does not reward evil and criticize good. We live in a world where good is criticized bad is rewarded that should not be the case in the church or among our leadership a lover of good he does not reward evil and criticize good he is ready able and excited about what is he's excited about how will he be able to do what's beneficial for others Verse 8, we see, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, just and holy. He is a person of integrity. He performs his duty to God in response to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. We also see that he is disciplined in verse 8. He's temperate. He is not someone who is, I put this in air quotes, always busy, but never seems to get anything done. He knows how to keep secrets that need to stay secret and knows when to open his mouth, when to keep it shut. He doesn't have logeria. In other words, he doesn't have Diarrhea of the mouth. That's quite a list. No man on the face of this earth is going to qualify perfectly. No man. But this list should be a reminder to all of us that, one, when we are looking for prospective elders, we should always aim high as far as biblical standards are concerned. Secondly, we we must never choose a man to be an elder out of desperation or haste. Thoroughly checking out the prospective elder's reputation and overall qualifications may take a lot of time and effort. Always take the needed time and effort. Number three, the fact that no man meets these standards perfectly points to the truth that the prospective elder must rely totally on Jesus, who is the perfect shepherd. Number four, the fact that no man meets these standards perfectly should remind us of the importance of the congregation relying on Jesus. Prayer is of vital importance. And number five, after the elder is chosen and installed whether he be teaching or ruling pray for him regularly and say once in a while I said regularly the man who strongly desires to be an elder whether it be a teaching elder or a ruling elder must be a godly man who is becoming more and more like Jesus I like to compare these descriptions of the godly elder to what most of us should want as an earthly father. Someone who reflects the communicable attributes of the Heavenly Father. Now, not all of you may understand the word communicable, but basically what comes down to this is that God has attributes that are both communicable and incommunicable. Now, you don't have to concern yourself with the incommunicable ones, as far as y- your own personal uh, traits are concerned. Incommunicable means things that God does not communi- does not uh, pass on to us in any way, shape, or form. We we do not strive to be everywhere. Sometimes we may act like it, but we do not strive to be everywhere. At the same time, uh, if you do that, you're going to have problems. There. You aren't going to be everywhere, all over the universe. You're not all-knowing. Those are incommunicable attributes. Communicable attributes are ones that through the work of the Holy Spirit, we should more and more attain to. These are attributes of God, such as holiness, love, justice, and wisdom. So putting that into our sentence, I like, as I said, I like to compare these descriptions of the godly elder to what most of us should want to have as an earthly father. Someone who rec- reflects the communicable attributes of the heavenly father, like holiness, love, justice, and wisdom. These are not traits that you automatically pick up just by going to graduate school, seminary, or Bible college, any more than spending four years in a garage turns you into an automobile. Biblical knowledge is most definitely required, but biblical character is most definitely required as well. And we must also recognize that while being a male is an absolute prerequisite, it should be obvious from what we have just read that being a male is only a ground-level starting point. I once pastored a church many years ago, and I say many, where before I arrived there at the church, a man had agreed to become an elder as long as he did not have to be very much involved in the church. And I do have to say that he followed through very well with that goal. He was a male. The church wanted to have a male as an elder, and that is what they got a male. We must never encourage someone to consider being an elder because he's a male, and we need someone for the position. we should want someone who is already flourishing as an elder in his home as a godly husband and father if he has been blessed with children. If the prospective elder is married without children, then he must be a godly husband who is making it abundantly clear by what is in his head and his heart as well as how he serves the church that this man should be an elder. If the prospective elder has not been blessed with a wife, his life is screaming out, this is the kind of man that godly parents should want their single daughters to marry. I don't remember all the details of the following story. I read this story some while back. And I don't pretend that I have all the story right, but years ago, a married couple and their daughter found a Bible. I think it was on a camping trip. And as far as getting the Bible back to the owner, there was no identification on the Bible except for Sam. But the parents were so impressed by the notes that were written in that Bible that they prayed that God would send someone into their daughter's life who was like Sam. Years later, God sent a young man into their daughter's life who was like Sam. Sometime after that, the four of them were in the couple's attic. They may have been looking through, a bo- through boxes of books, and I'll a Bible, and you could imagine excitement of that young man as he saw his long lost Bible. You see, God not only sent the young lady a man like Sam, God sent her Sam. The point of this story is to say that this man's Bible screamed out, the owner of this Bible is a godly man. The owner of this Bible knows his Bible and lives his Bible. So whether that prospective elder is married with children, married with no children, or single, the prospective elder's life screams out, Godly man, both inside and out. A man who has shown that he has the qualities ...of being a good shepherd. A good shepherd loves his sheep... ...knows how and is willing to use the tools of the trade... ...and loves his God who has given him the required gifts and abilities... ...as well as his love for the sheep. He knows the word of God, lives the word of God. He has an overwhelming desire to be an elder... ...and the people of God are clearly able to see... ...that he has the godly character... ...as well as the gifts and abilities to be a wonderful elder. He models godly behavior both inside and outside of the church. He is willing to admit when he is wrong. But he's also willing to do what it takes to make things right, to repent and make things right when he has hurt someone. He knows his Bible, He lives his Bible and has a great desire to disciple others. As you look for a pastor, you should look for the attributes that God has told you to look for. A man of biblical faith, a man of biblical character, and a man who enthusiastically loves Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, who modeled perfect character for us. But we know that none of us come close to being like Jesus. But we also know that you have requirements for your leaders. You expect them to be godly. And you also expect your congregations not to cut corners. Not to make exceptions because we need someone on the ruling body right now. Because if we do not, and fill in the blank. We pray that this church would choose the right man and that that right man would accept that call if that is what you would have them to do, have him to do. This is not an easy task, either on the part of the congregation or on the part of the Perspective elder, whether he's coming as a pastor or whether he is going to be a ruling elder within the body. We pray that you will raise up more godly men so that our churches would be led by people of character and people who know their Bibles, not just because it's in their head, but because it's in their heart as well. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.